Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out as always at the studios at Silverbird Ranch in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. And we love hanging out and having discussions and bringing you along for the ride. That's right. Uh, it's what we like doing. So we've been talking about a lot of different stuff. If you ever have anything that you want us to talk about, I encourage you to reach out, uh, send us an email, tweet us, message us, Instagram, whatever your, your mojo is these days on social media. Or if you want to call somebody, you can try to find a number for, for one of us. There you go. But, uh, yeah. Good you, luck you, trying you to find me input. on social media somewhere, but I'm there. You're on there. I am. You're, 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 a, you're a pretty hep when it comes to that sort of oh, stuff. Oh, am I? Yeah, yeah. Cool. I didn't know that. Well, hep, maybe not hip. All right. Well, that's good. Tell you. Well, you know, it, what's what's interesting is we have a great passion for trying to help the younger generation grow up in a very crazy world where they can understand how to be successful. Mm-hmm. And really, the, the formula is really simple. The, the world makes it complicated. And I found that Satan makes everything complicated. God makes everything simple. Yeah. For example, you know, Adam and Eve at the beginning, you know, you're, there's a God. Adam and Eve aren't God. Satan comes in and goes, well, you could be like God. Wait, okay, let's make this complicated now. Right. Let's make it a little bit harder than it should be. There's nothing difficult about understanding what God says. Mm-hmm. He's God. We're not. We have choice to listen to him or not. When we don't listen to him, which is all of us, we sin. Sin is a price. I mean, these are not difficult concepts to grasp. And really, children can grasp them. And the sooner they grasp them, the better. Right. Because now they get to put their life in context. Otherwise, it's, there's no context for them. And this is a crazy time in, in history for uh, for children growing up when, when there's no absolutes and every person seems to be doing right in their own eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, important for us to go back to the scriptures and see what God says. Absolutely. If you're listening last time, we were talking about a 45-year-old study that was done. They followed kids for 45 years they considered gifted. And you'll have to listen to the last podcast we did if you want the first two points. But they only they extracted four points out of that 45 years. And we went over the first wow. two before. And the third, the third point that they make after following these children for 45 years says, hard work definitely still matters. Profound. Yeah. So if you're gifted, you still need to work hard. No kidding. Yeah. Well, I'll read their thing to you. Measuring student aptitude, their natural ability, is only one part of the equation when it comes to determining how successful they'll be in life. Aptitude scores can identify a particularly strong natural skill set, but tell us very little about how hard that person might work to excel in that field. Effort is a critical factor for determining how far someone's going to go in life. If you look at the exceptional performers in politics, which... <laughs> See, I, that put me down Sorry. right in my tracks. I'm reading this and I can't even go on because <laughs> are there exceptional performers in politics? Anyway, except forget my bias. Maybe, maybe per- drama. You should substitute politics for drama. I know. Exceptional per- performers in politics, science, music, and literature. They're working many, many hours, he says. And for the record, there are a lot more important things in life than just career achievement like family, friends, and overall happiness. So here's a study going, you know, hard work actually matters. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's not news to anybody. Mm-hmm. All of us need to be those who, yeah, the Bible tells us that when you put your hand to something, do it wholeheartedly. Right. If you're going to work, do it wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. Hard work is always something that we should be teaching our young people. Well, and I feel like even from a non-spiritual sense, ask any employer. Right. Who are they looking for? Absolutely. 
I, I would be surprised if somebody said, I don't want to find a hard worker. Yep. No, no, no one would say that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, I feel like it, that's almost what we're lacking today yeah. is people that don't want to work hard and yet get paid the same. Yeah. You know, I, I was talking, the Nicolay Bible Institute students will talk to me about, you know, how to get a job or what's important every once in a while. If I'm at a level with that, you know, mentoring yeah. them, whatever it might be. And I always tell them the same thing. I say, you know, if, if I'm going to go work somewhere, anywhere, yeah. I'm going to be the one who, at the end of the day, cleans the floor. I'm going to be the one at the end of the day before I go home, you know, going to make sure my workstation is clean. Yeah. I'm going to be the one if, if the, the, the toilet doesn't work in the, in the employee bathroom, I'm going to plunge it, clean it up, and get it to work again. I'm going to be the one that knows first aid, so when something happens at work, I know how to take care of it. When I do that stuff, mm-hmm. then I'm the one that the owner wants around. Right. But that's just hard work. That's not giftedness. That's saying, you know what, I'm noticing that people around us, even here in the, in the ministry, we know when you're dealing with thousands of people that come through your gates, you, you better have people around that know how to take care of health emergencies. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to have people around that know how to take care of food emergencies. In other words, there's so many different food allergies or whatever else that might take place that you want to take care of that. So you look at your, your staff, you look at everyone and say, you know what, everyone has different ideas. I love the fact that we have moms in certain areas at camp. Mm-hmm. For example, my wife is the registrar at camp, so you want to talk to her. If you're a mom, she's the one you want to talk to. Like mm-hmm. She's a mom. She cares. She's an educator. She's been here a while. She acts like a mom. Yeah. Well, that's a giftedness. You you let people operate in their giftedness, and uh, and you just let them work hard. Um, we The stuff that we do in the summer, some people look at us, and they look at what you do, Jason, in the summer, and they say, that is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But you, you, what do you put in the field every year for people? What do we build out there? Yeah, we build a huge interactive set Yeah, that you can have fun with. And life would be a whole lot easier if we didn't do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of work gets put into that for for one night's activity. For one night of each summer camp. So we use it 13 times. Yeah. And then That's we tear it. it down. And then we tear it down. So we spend a month and a half building it. Use it 13 times and spend a month and a half taking it down. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it makes a big difference oh, in, totally. in kids' lives. Yeah. And, and it really is. It's hard work. So many times I've told young people, you get up every day and work hard, and you'll see God will bless that. Mm-hmm. And they're finding the same thing. They went through and said, you know, it, it, you could be very, very gifted in all kinds of areas, math, science, whatever it might be. But if you're not going to work hard, that giftedness is going to rot. That, that's not going to be any good for you. Yeah. Um, do you try and work and it's a loaded question, but do you try and work at getting your kids to learn to work hard? Try to, Yeah. you know, you want them to see, you know, to give their best, not only that, but even help them to see needs, you know, so that to not only work, but then also to choose to do things, even though they won't get anything in return. Right. To Um, see a problem and fix it. Right. Even though it's not their turn to fix it. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Or if it's, you know, well, how come my other brother doesn't have to do it? Well, just go do it. Yeah. You know, um, and I think, I mean, I'm having that the conversation a lot with my oldest now. It's like, well, how come they don't? Have, it's like, well, do you want to have the same freedoms that they do? Because I could take away stuff. Right. And so it's teaching that, you know, the, with the more that you do, the more responsibility that you can have yep. and the more trust that you, you know. And so there's there's a whole component there. 
which is the same. I mean, you even see that in the workplace. If you work hard, people are going to trust you. Yep. Why? Because they know it's like, man, if I give that to so-and-so, he's going to follow through. He's going to do it well. Um, even if he's not perfect, you know, even if you're not perfect at it, if you try your best and work hard, like, man, I guarantee you that will never bite you in the butt. Never. It, you know? It'll always be something that, that <laughs> As long as somebody's not taking advantage of you. Right. You know, I mean, there there are probably situations where you are working hard and somebody is Well, cool you know enough, what, though? You know, it's not going to hurt you. It's going to hurt no, them. No, it's going to hurt them. Yeah, right. because right. working hard is always something that's going to benefit you. And, and I think more parents today really need to get their kids to notice what needs to be done and have them work hard. Yeah. And it's okay. You're not you're not abusing your child when they have to work hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I remember again. My dad wanted me, and I've said this before in this program, but he wanted me to do something in the lawn or cut the lawn, and told me to do a five dollar job. And he was great at these expressions. But I would look at him and go, "What's that mean? It means when it's done, it's worth five dollars." Yeah. Now, back then, that was a huge amount of money. And um, so I go out there, and he hands me like a buck. And I'm thinking, I did a five dollar job. He goes, "No, you didn't." Okay, so what can I do? Figure out what you didn't do yet and do it. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't tell me even. Yeah. So I had to learn. So I eventually get a $5 job, and I eventually did it. You know, I realized, well, maybe if I sweep the sidewalk and do this and do that and do that. But but how you teach somebody to learn that mm. rather than just tell them, go do this, 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 and I'll give you five bucks. Right. No, go do this job. Go do whatever the job is. Go do this job, and if you do it to the best of your ability, you do it quickly, you do it well, I'll give you five bucks. Mm-hmm. But I'll give you according to how you do it in my sight. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, you know, if a child does something, you give them a quarter. You know, it's like, that's it. I did the job. Now what you're doing is teaching them mm-hmm. to do something. Now, am I suggesting you do it with your children? I'm not really suggesting that. I'm saying, but have a plan to do something where you teach them, here's how you work hard. Right. Or And again, the, the model is going to be more important than anything else. Mm-hmm. If you want your kids to work hard, then you should get up from the lazy boy and not just sit there and tell them to go stack the wood. Right. You know, and go stack the wood with them. And I would also surround myself with other people who work hard. Mm-hmm. Because then it becomes a culture and a lifestyle, a community, rather than, you know... Uh, something that's uniquely them as a kid and you're not working hard and your friends aren't working hard. Right. And like I said, even teach them to do things without expecting anything in return. You know, there was a a young couple when, when my wife and I were younger, we saw them go around and even spend an afternoon picking up sticks at camp with their kids. Right. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's a great idea. And so now my wife and I are trying to be in touch with the boys. It's like, all right, let's go do something together as a family. Right. You know, and they're like, well, why? It's like, well, we're doing our part to help out. We don't have to do this. Nobody asked us to do this. We just see a need. So let's go do it. Yep. You know, and I think that teaches something too. Um, because that's that's part of even teaching them what it means to be part of the family of God. Right. You know, and, and helping our neighbors. You know, like I'd love for my boys, you know, to be able to see like if we had a neighbor that had, you know, say we got snow. I mean, this just happened to us. You know, my wife. Um, lost one of our brothers recently yep. and uh, we went out of town and came back and we live in the north woods and it's spring and so we came back to a ton of snow and we came back and our driveway was shovel plowed and our patio was shoveled and i don't i didn't even know who did it absolutely you know but that's that's the sort of thing that i want my boys to be able to understand and comprehend it's like you know there's certain things that you just do in life yep. um because that's that's what you need to do yeah. So how do you how do you pass that on? And and you know that was a statement of love to you, I'm <clears> sure, because everyone knows you're capable of doing that yourself. Oh right. You know, when you get back, totally. 
But but again, there was a, enough snow and enough bother where, and you teach your kids that when, yeah. when you come home and it's done, your kids learn that again by example. Somebody else did that, mm-hmm. so they understand. Well, that's the responsibility then. You, right. You notice things and you go out and you go do them. Yeah. You know whoever does them. Yep. So, well, the fourth thing, and they only wrote four things they found um, after forty-five years. Four things. Hey, eleven years to find each thing. I guess. Here's the fourth. Regardless of aptitude, every kid deserves to be treated as though they were gifted. Hmm. Well, we've been saying that from the beginning. (laughs) You know, that we don't need a 45-year study for. But let me read what they said. The study focus is specifically on kids within a certain range of intellectual ability. But the author is careful to note that many of its findings can and should be applied to all students. Yep. For example, the kids in the study who were given an opportunity to take more challenging courses that align with their skills and interests ultimately went on to accomplish more than the students who were not afforded the same opportunity. You have to find out where your child's development is, how fast they learn, what their strengths and relative weaknesses, and tailor the curriculum accordingly. Of course, you know, that's, that's true. It's, it's what you would want for all kids. It may sound a bit like a pipe dream, but it's a great starting point that we should be thinking about for future education in America. Okay, that, that's pretty simple to understand. It, it's a study, by the way. If you'd like to learn more about the study of mathematically precocious youth, check out this short film on a project created by Vanderbilt University. So I, I have no idea. You can go look that up if you'd like. Um, <laughs> but the bottom line really is I think that when we look at children, we, we need to understand that God has uniquely gifted them. Yeah. And there are some things that go across all lines, like working hard, yeah. like understanding that everybody is gifted, like, uh, you know, finding the giftedness in a child and, and promoting that in their life yeah. and saying, you know what, here's what you seem to do well. If you have a child who's very kind to everybody, understand that that's a gift because you've got other children who will s- steal kids candy and think that that's right, too. You know, and, and, and so the kind one will go after them and say, don't do that. That isn't nice. They got a soft heart towards people. You start developing that. Yeah. You know, there's some that, you know, play nurse from the time they're born. They, mm-hmm. Somebody's sick, they take care of them. Well, there's some others who ignore people who are sick. So, again, maybe that one should be a nurse as they grow. You, know, you never know yeah. what the giftedness is, what they're seeing. But here's some verses in the Bible that just talk about children. And this is in a general way, and, and we're assuming that since all children are created by God, created in the womb, crafted by, by God Almighty, that these verses actually are things that are applicable to all kids. So if you want to learn how to train a child, here we go. Okay. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Hmm. Simple. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't mean that he'll never make a mistake or she'll never make a mistake. Right. But also, it shows intentionality. No, it does. And and by the way, train up a child in the way. That's an important word, a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That isn't, you know, you teach them one skill. No, there's there's a way that we do things. Mm-hmm. So like you talked about when you were gone, your wife's uh, brother had been, you know, died unexpectedly and, and you were gone. What you came back to, and you should have come back to a driveway that was cleaned out for you. Mm-hmm. Why? Because there's a way you live. Yeah. And you live in a community where that way should have been demonstrated. Yeah. Um, so what you do is you train up a child in the way, not in the necessarily specifics, but in the way. And you do that by example. So if your family is always generous, yeah. 
you know, that you're teaching them a way to live. Absolutely. If your family, now I'm not against uh, specific moments every day for devotions. Uh, I grew up, I didn't have that. It was more of a lifestyle of our family. Right. So that became the way, the lifestyle became the way. Serving in camp and church, that became a way for us. Mm -hmm. Now, if you know my brother and myself, we're still in that way. Mm Mm-hmm. So you train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, which I am, he will not depart from it. I still can't picture my life not doing those service things. Right. Because I was brought up in that way. So mom and dad, if you're listening, what way are you teaching your children? Are you teaching them the way of let's make sure we have the most fun, the most money, we go on the best vacations? Yeah. That's the way? Or what is the way? And I would be specific about it. Yep. Deuteronomy eleven nineteen, a principle on teaching. You shall teach them to your sons, talking to them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you rise up. Uh, there's a concept of teaching here that we've talked about over and over again, but it's exemplified in Deuteronomy eleven nineteen that basically talks about you're always teaching. You're an example, and so you're always teaching. Um, uh, you. You're in the car with the kids. What do you guys do when you're in the car? We talk. Sometimes, okay. uh, well, it depends on, on the day or whatever. It uh, depends know, on the, the length what's going of the on, trip. The length no of doubt. the trip. Yeah. yeah, it depends on what we're doing. There's a variety of things we do. You know, if we're going on a long road trip, there's times that we have different things planned or we do bring an iPad at times. Yeah. Or, or sometimes we play stories on the radio or, you know. So it all varies depending on where you're going, what you're doing. Yeah, well, it's interesting because... It, we don't do much walking and talking anymore like they used to. Yep. People used to, in this day and age, when this was written in Deuteronomy, they didn't have cars. You went somewhere, you walked, and it could be a pretty long journey. Yeah. And it's pretty much telling you, teach them, talking to them when you sit in your house. In other words, make learning a normal part of your life. Make serving a normal part of your life. That's the way that they should learn, and, and that's how we can be healthy. Right. The more things that you can make a part of your everyday life and model, the more that they will see it and model it. Yep. You know, and I even think of even devotions. Like, you don't necessarily have to have, like, a family devotion time, but if they see you reading the Bible, they're probably going to want to read the Bible. Yep. You know, and that's that's an exciting thing I see in my oldest son now. He sees us reading it, and he grabs his Bible, and he's like, oh, what's a good book I could start reading? Yeah. You know, and uh, it's just, it's fun to see the, the dots connect. And and if you and your wife ever begin to talk about something you're reading, see, yeah. they'll watch that. Yep. And that then becomes normal. It yep. isn't abnormal, it's normal. You know, my kids grew up and my wife and I were in charge of running the, the youth club at our church for about 30 years. Yeah. They're both in youth work. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's like, that became their normal. Right. They, that's the one thing they watched, you know, because we'd come home and say, well, we should try this. We should do that. We developed a curriculum for the years that we were working with the kids. But they were always sitting there listening to us and seeing it. And that's what you do. You develop things. You do things. And eventually, now they're doing it. It's training up a child the way that they should go. And when they get old, they, they don't depart from it. Yep. As I watch my boys get pulled behind us four-wheeler yeah, driving past fun. the studio which is fun yeah <laughs> train up a child the way you should go teach their sons ephesians 6 4 fathers do not provoke your children to anger 
bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I find this to be an interesting verse as a father. I, I mean, here we're told to discipline and instruct our kids, uh-huh. but not in anger, not to provoke them to anger. What do you think it's talking about in that sense? You know, I, I think it's the way that we parent as fathers, I think you could do it in a way that's loving and kind. But then I think you could almost correct them in a way that, like, stirs them a little bit. And Yeah, you can crush a soul. Oh, totally. You know, um, one of the things we have to realize, especially as dads, is that our children look to us. Yeah. And they want us to be proud of them. Absolutely. So you can crush them. Um, there's sometimes when I hear a mom or a dad talking to a kid in a store and I'm dying. I'm yeah. just dying as I'm walking by thinking you're crushing that kid. Yeah. And it's not that they they may not deserve a good spanking or something, but it's it's like, boy, be careful with those words that you say. I have a theory about fathers anyway, and I've shared it before, but the theory is very simple. I I think that moms have this intuitiveness with children, and, and it's because the children were inside of them. The children were born by them. Many of many of the moms, you know, nurse the children. They they have this this understanding of their children and this closeness. It's very unique, and I think any child that's ever grown up feels this connection to mom automatically. Like mom is just my automatic connection in the family. Yeah. Where dad they gotta they gotta almost earn that mm-hmm. it seems, or they feel like they have to earn it. Now, there's probably psychologists falling out of their chairs and everything. Now I, I have no idea. I, I, I'm not sure what all the psychologists stuff would say about that but my own observation is children love to be noticed by dad they love to be by dad they work at trying to be approved by dad yeah and and that's why i think fathers when you say something you could crush that child and you need to be careful what you say so that you don't crush them right and uh, and yet you're still responsible to be the one who's going to discipline them and, and and I think that's why it's put in this context. You need to discipline them, but at the same time, don't crush them. Yeah. And I think you take that into into uh, account. My brother and I were two different individuals. My brother was a, a guy who got quite a few spankings. Mm-hmm. And I never got one that I can remember. And that's because I think my dad understood that he would have crushed me. Um, when I disappointed my dad or my mom, that was enough punishment for me. I couldn't handle that as a kid. And I, I and they knew that. I mean, yeah. I, it, it's like, oh, if I disappointed you, Dad, I, you know, I, I want to jump off a bridge. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Where my brother, if they said that he's going to get a spanking, he'd go get the bell for him. <laughs> and, and they'd say, well, we're going to hit you twice. You go try it three times, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> so we were two different people. Right. So he got spanked. I didn't. And you might say, well, that's that's treating them differently. Yes, it is. Yep. And it's treating them within the context of their personality. Yeah. Where you're not crushing somebody. I would have been crushed if you had to treat us exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Because my brother was totally different. He was a super athlete. He was much hard-headed than I am. I was a very compliant child. And it's not a compliment to me. I think it's a personality. You know, my mom and dad wanted me to do something. I would do it. Mm-hmm. Even if my brother wanted me to do something, I would do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I would just be that compliant kid. Well, you don't take a compliant kid and, and spank him like you would a kid who's defiant. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just don't do that. So I encourage parents, when you look at your children, um, 
don't crush them and how you discipline them. Yeah. And take into account who they are and what they actually are going to get out of that discipline. Uh, this doesn't remove the idea that you still got to discipline them. Right. Because you should. Um, anyway, teach them diligently to your sons as you walk, generation. Uh, Romans 9, 8. That is, it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but children of promise that are regarded as descendants. You know, one of the things I think we need to teach children is they're not Christians just because they're in our family and we're Christians. Mm. You know, it's, it, it's a simple thing to understand. Yeah. But children grow up. I mean, if they ask if they're Christian, if somebody ever asks your child if they're Christian, ask why. Mm-hmm. Why they would say they're a Christian. Right. Well, because, you know, we pray. Well, because I'm in a Christian nation or Christian home. Understand that your child may have Christianity totally confused because he's from a Christian home if he is from a Christian home. And the only way someone is a Christian is if they have understood they're sinful and they put their trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Absolutely. So make sure that's part of the understanding. If you're going to be talking to a child, gifted or not gifted, you know, they still are understanding they're sinful people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it, the harder kids to reach with the gospel sometimes are the gifted ones. They do everything right from the time they're young. They're used to being praised for everything. Then you tell them they're sinful. Mm-hmm. Well, how am I sinful? I do everything I'm supposed to. I do it to an excelled level. How can right. I be a sinful person? Well, okay, Th- that's going to be the same for everybody, and no matter who they are. Um, Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will be removed. Will remove it far from him. Uh, I don't know. You know, again, there's there's an idea that we don't punish children for what they do. Um, but we just got through talking about the importance of punishing them, but in the context of who they are. Mm-hmm. So do you have discipline me- measures you do at home? It varies on each child. Again, you know, it's almost what like we what just said, talked about. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, all three, of, you know, at the start of parenting, I would have said like, oh, you know, we'll do just do it the same. But as you get to know your kids, they all react differently. Right. You know, and so then you almost have to learn along the way. It's like, oh, they don't respond the same way. Yep. You know. Yeah. Um, but one thing I will say regardless is I would say all three of them, and I would say this about any child, is that use your words wisely. Yeah. You know, words go a long way. And so just be careful as a parent what you say, even in sarcasm. Oh, very much so. I, w- I would not use sarcasm with kids at all. Yeah. yeah, they don't understand it. No. And once again, the words that you and I speak are going to be so important to the children. Yeah. And they can crush them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you have to be careful. And they may not say anything to you if they're crushed. No. They may just, you know, hide it all and, and just stay crushed. Yeah. And that's something that you and I have to get to an understanding of. Here's the bottom line really is, if, if, if you could summarize the last two programs, the bottom line that we're talking about is that all children are uniquely created by God to fill a certain part of the body of Christ. Yeah. Be looking for them, encourage them to do it, hold them accountable, let them learn. Most importantly, be an example to them, an example in generosity, be an example of what it looks like to be a Christian, be an example in your home of getting in the word and, and treat them as individuals, not as a whole group. Yep. Uh, because, it, you know, the whole world is going toward treat everybody the same. I'm sorry that doesn't work mm-hmm. because we're all different individuals. Right. You know, and I, I would encourage you, you know, as we close out this discussion, I think a lot of it comes down to taking the time and intentionality to invest in your children. 
regardless of, of their gifts, their talents, you know, each of them are unique and different and they all can excel and succeed. It's just trying to, to coach them individually. But for now, that's all the time we have. So take care. See you next time. This is Jason and Dave on Younger, Younger and Older. Bye-bye now.